We've never welcome back to Evermore YouTube channel. It's Monday night. It's 10 p.m. Well, it's not 10 p.m. It's half nine. I've jumped ahead of myself. It's half past nine. That was the old time. What a great start. Great start. Yes, it's Chris and Mark asking the same question we ask every Monday night. I'll tell you what question I'm asking this Monday night, Mark, in What's Going On. What's Going On is we have updated one of our famous chants from the terraces. Do you want to hear the updated version, Mark? Do you want to hear it? Go for it. Okay, so it goes, he's from Blyde. You'll never, ever beat Dan Byrne unless you're really fast and you'll beat him quite easily. That is the new updated chant for BDB. It's not, quite got, it's not quite got the same ring to it. Yeah, it's not quite as catchy, just like the man himself, sadly. We'll get into that in a minute because he is not particularly yeah. catchy either. So I'm sorry, I've gone early. We're going to get right into that in a minute. But yeah, you really have gone about. early. <laughs> I really have. We can, honestly, it's driving, me, it's driving me up the wall. It really is. But anyway, we've got loads to cover tonight. Obviously, that mental game and loads of other stuff as well. Just before we do, a little bit of housekeeping and reminders. We always say, if you haven't already, smash subscribe. I love you to come and join us. We're over 6,500 subs. Loads of room for you and ever more. It's all free. But if you do want to give back to the channel, and help us support us and bring you this great content. There is a membership option down there too. It's less than two quid a month, so smash whichever option suits you best. We are live tonight. Jump in the comments, as a lot of you often do, which helps this flow. We've got some in there already. Ian is in the house. Good to see you, Ian. So is Dom Milburn. And we've also got a Glenn Ringer who, uh, who does like the Dan Byrne chat as well. We've got some other. He's some blind. He'll always run past Dan Byrne, says Dom. That's a lot more catchy than mine, Dom, to be fair. You should be writing our script. So let's get stuck in, Mark. I had my say on this on the post-match. And, and on a second subject, I'm certainly going to have my say about this situation. So we might as well get stuck in. And so 4-4 madness, as we've called it, at the weekend. One of the most mental games I've ever seen. At one point, I was actually thinking I was watching a FIFA game by mistake. I thought I'd like left my PlayStation on and a demo version had come on because it didn't look like a real football game to me. Uh, it was absolutely nuts. It was one of them games that people probably throw a wobbler, toss the controller on the floor and then exit the game when you're beating them. Kind of, that's how it felt at one particular point. Newcastle were 4-2 down. Uh, the only positive is they got back before us each. What on earth did you think about that game, mate? It was ludicrous, wasn't it? To be 2-1 up throw that away, completely capitulate and then get it back again was just, it was just nuts. Um, I, I do give them an awful lot of credit for coming back because at 4-2, your heads could drop, the crowd gets on you and, and, and it sort of becomes ugly. But they didn't let it get to them. They didn't, they took that next step and went, no, fuck this, We're, we have to get back into this. And um, I thought, after the fourth goal, I thought things started to look like they did in the first half, where, you know, it, it, certainly on the front foot, things were a lot better. Um, and they, they showed a lot of uh, a fight to get back in. But initially, you know, parts of the first half where you thought, you know, this this looks good. They, you know, apart from the defending for the for the first goal aside, and we'll come to the second one in a, in a second. But, you know, the... The, the balls forward, particularly Miley, looked really good first half. Um, Longstaff getting into to positions to, um, to, you know, to put the ball in the net. And, and one thing we've been really critical of him is finding that that finish. Um, and, and he scores twice, so you know he's he, he certainly sort of stepped up in that part. But then everything defensively, everything sort of from, from the midfield backwards just went wrong. It was just, it was a, it was a bizarre game and you know, one, one definitely for the neutrals, but certainly not one to, to enjoy, particularly if you're a, if you're in a castle fan. Absolutely. No, something we do enjoy is new members and Robbie Absolutely. has become a new member. 
Good to see you, Robbie. Well done, mate. And uh, happy to have you on part of the Evermore squad. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into one particular player who's very tall in a minute. Um, but just talking about the rest of the team, I think I said on my preview, I think everybody said on any preview anybody's done, whether you were doing it on YouTube, whether you were talking in the boozer, whether you were talking at the bus stop before you got the, the bus to town or whatever it may be, everybody was saying, especially after the game down in Luton, we need to stop Ross Bartley playing. We need to sit on Ross Bartley. We need to make sure Ross Bartley doesn't dictate the play. And there was one player I can recall who tackled Ross Bartley and he was 17 years old and it was Harvey Barnes's fourth goal at the end. Nobody else got anywhere near him the entire game. And it's not because Ross Bartley suddenly turned into Zinedine Zidane. It's because the midfield three had no idea what they were doing. Bruno's scared to make a tackle because he doesn't want to get a yellow card and miss two games. That's pretty clear. There's no Joe Linton in there. We didn't sign a number six, which was a major mistake, especially in a game like that when you need to sit on a player like Barkley. You know, yes, he's playing in the deeper line role and he's finding space. But if you have a number six that sits in front of the back four, Bruno and Miley can get 15 yards to the park. Look what happened when Miley was able to get up the park. He tackled Barkley and nicked the ball off of him. Yeah. You know, and if you have that number six, which everybody's crying out for, we're crying out for it in the summer, crying out for it in January. I'd love to, to get the person at the club on this podcast and say, what makes you think you shouldn't sign a defensive midfielder? You know, we've got a video coming out soon where we're talking about maybe utilising the squad and changing some players to fill in that position who could probably fill in there. So keep an eye on that, guys, on the channel. But I don't understand. I mean, we'll get into the main big tactical problem in a minute. But we praised Eddie Howe against Villa uh, on Tuesday for, for being brilliant, tactically brilliant in-game management, Mark. He got Saturday wrong. He was too slow to react, and 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 it cost us, mate, didn't it? We got the point in the end, but it could have cost us the three. It, it really could. Look, you you come back to um to to the Barkley thing, and, and and I've seen an awful lot of comments today, and heard a lot of comments today about, oh, do you think Ross Barkley should be on the plane for the, for the Euros? No, I don't really. Mind that, mate. I don't yes, mind he, that. He, he How old is he now? Is he is he twenty eight or twenty nine? Um, I'll that to you again. If not, I'll do this to you all the time. I'll just throw this at you. Don't expect Ask me before the show. He's 30. <laughs> he's actually older. He's 30. He's 30. Yeah, but he's, yeah. look, he, he's had a good game. He's been okay this season. He's not, done nothing earth-shattering. I mean, Saturday was the best game he's played this season, I would I, I sort of guess from, from what I've seen of him. Um, he's been awfully quiet in a lot of games, so there's no way that he deserves to be on the on the plane. If he plays like this for the rest of the season, fine, I can kind of understand that. But Newcastle had that the glaring issue once again, and we've we, we've seen this a number of times. Whether that's against City, it was evident again against Luton. There were a couple of moments against Villa where the midfield line is is high, and there's that space in behind them, and those balls through. Um, and to get players in behind the, the midfield, as soon as you bypass them, they're they're they're, up, they're running back. And and if you've got, I went back and watched um, before. There's an awful lot of the tracking back runs that are so slow and laboured. Yeah, and and it's it's scary actually when you when you consider that, that an awful lot of that play was was running backwards, and the effort. I, I, I'm not going to slag them off for not putting the effort in, but there were some of the runs back that were just jogs. They're not busting their ass to get back, and and it that would. I just felt a little bit off in that regard. You know, you you see the likes of Miggy who will will belt back to to try and help, but 
some of the recovery runs from from Bruno and Sean were were awful. They they just they, didn't they just yeah. didn't do it. Um, yeah. And Sean Longstaff's tackle for the second goal, where he he sort of it's I mean he, he may as well be made out of tracing paper for for that tackle because <laughs> that, the way he goes <laughs> the way he goes in for that tackle with Barkley and he's completely done and, and just is lost at that point. Um, and then the defenders a little bit all over the shop at the back. It just, I mean, defensively they were they were a mess on Saturday, and it was just, it's. I mean, if you go back to last season and early in the season, it's so unusual to kind of see all of them have a bad game at once. But yeah, I don't think anybody really comes out defensively of that game on on Saturday with any credit whatsoever. No, I, I agree with, with Dara and S's comment here that we needed six even just to change a game if needed. The fact that we don't have one is ridiculous. It really is, Dara. And I, I think, you know, you know, loads of people have called for it. You know, people are saying Eddie doesn't want to play with a six, but we'll get into anyhow. Um, you know, we'll praise Eddie where praise is due. We'll criticise where, where criticism is due. Um, you know, everybody's probably seen the Alexander Rezac video that we put out earlier on today. You know, thanks for that, guys. We have great feedback on that. Um I do think that Eddie is in a situation here. He's in a bit of a corridor here, I think, in terms of his development, not just as the Newcastle manager, but as a manager itself. And I think, you know, some of the similarities people are pointing out between us and what happened to him at Bournemouth, there's a lot of parallels in terms of burning players out and that high-intensity press all the time. Players get loads of niggly injuries and things like that. And, you know, you look back at someone like uh, Jack Wilshire, who went to play for him, who's a very talented footballer, who completely broke down. And you think to yourself, if you try to run, run Jack Wilshire like this, I'm not surprised he broke down because the wind blows and yeah. Jack Wilshire sprained, sprained the fucking ligament, didn't he? So, But <laughs> but this is the point. I, I do think that he needs to try to possibly adapt the way he's playing with the players that he's got, you know, to get the best out of Isaac, to get the best out of the midfield. You know the prime example. You know I'm, I'm just a I'm just a, a fucking fat lad losing his hair talking about uh, Newcastle on a on a on a preview. And I'm saying that you need to sit on Ross Barkley. And I'm saying you need number six. And loads of other fan content creators are saying that. And how can the manager not see that? You know, and you see what happens at the weekend. If you're proven wrong, you suck your teeth and say fair play anyhow. You made me look like a mug there. Aston Villa is a great example. We said Villa going to smash her, didn't smash her. We actually played really well. Villa were poor, yes, but we played really well. And he changed in game and he fixed the problem. But Saturday, everything that everybody said they were worried about happened. You know, Ross Barkley ran the show. Uh, no midfielders got near apart from Miley at the end. Now that's what frustrates me. If Calvin Phillips had signed for Newcastle, right? Yes, I know he. Bad pass against Bournemouth and all that, right? But had he been sitting in front of that back four and watching Ross Bartley when he was coming forward, Miley and Bruno would have been 15 yards further up the park, putting those challenges in, putting Bartley under pressure while he's in front of the back four, while he's got the ball like Miley did for Barnes's fourth. And that's why a number six is so paramount, not just to Bruno, but to Miley as well, because Miley's a ball-playing midfielder. He's not a he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not blessed with loads of pace, as we've said on numerous occasions, Mark, is he? But to, to have the lad running back and forward and trying to you know you know win it at the back and then start something at the other end, of course the kid's gonna be leggy, even at 17. Yeah, I mean he's he's just not gonna be able to keep up that, that level of effort. He hasn't he hasn't developed fully yet as a human. Do you know what I mean? He, he's just yeah. not going to and as good as he's been. He, he can't continue to do that. The, in, in that in that role, and 
I, I think Phillips hasn't exactly set the world alight since he since he started at West Ham. And to be perfectly honest, it's kind of gone the way that a, a lot of people thought when he moved on. The lack of fitness. Yeah, he hasn't played. He, he's gonna take time. Yeah. And in this sort of role that or this sort of press or, or that's high intensity that, that Eddie Howe has, it probably take him a little bit longer to one, get fit and, and then two, get used to it as well. Mm. But he's a damn good player and he will sit and he will, he will protect that, that back four um, and allow the likes of Bruno Miley and stuff to, to be forward and, and not have to worry about their, their high line as a central midfield three. But I think it, the one thing for me that sticks out from this, and, and particularly this game, is just the if you a lot of other clubs, and you see this uh, particularly from the from the likes of City and um, and actually even for, for from some of the lower down teams as well, but they they're picking sides and they're they're choosing a way to play to suit who they're playing against. Say is a prime example for what they do to Newcastle earlier on in the season. They chose a way of playing and a, and a setup to stop Newcastle and it worked to a treat. They changed their usual mentality to stop Newcastle and it worked. The problem, and and one of the comments in there about insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Um, I think it's from Alexander there. Um, And and I, I sort of agree with that comment because it's going into every game with the same mentality. And at some point you have to stop and you go, actually, this isn't going to work. You're picking players and and I think Byrne becomes a victim of this. Yes, he had a really, really poor game. And what happens on the field when he gets on the field is up to him. But he's put in a really bad position. He's been, it's been it's happened a couple of times now. We'll get yeah, we'll get into we'll get into yeah. Byrne in a second. Yeah, yeah. But but what I'm what I'm sort of saying is that at this point, Eddie Howe has to Take this, and and you said before. Look, we'll be critical where where critical needs needs to happen. We'll praise when praise you know praise is needed. Absolutely right. You can have an opinion, and, and look, you you don't have to be a a, um, a manager or a coach with with a continental pro license or anything to to be able to see exactly what was 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 coming. And if you don't pick your team to suit against the opposition. Yeah, I mean, if you're world beaters, then it, it probably doesn't matter at times. But when you're coming up with players who have no pace, and Dan Byrne, bless him, he, he just absolutely has none. But you're setting him up against the quickest wingers in, in the league. I mean, if Benny is rapid. He is. He's Anthony one of the fastest Alanga players in the is, league, actually. We've clocked him. He's exactly. one of the fastest players in the league. Yeah, Elanga is absolutely rapid. And it, yeah. those two games in particular, and he's been been sent out to, to play up against those, and, he, and he's he struggled massively. The the warning signs were there on on the Tuesday against Villa. As soon as Bailey came on, he he, he destroyed him, and within seconds he was taken off. Now that realistically should it should never have been allowed to happen this weekend. Um, for me, you know, you have to go pace against pace in that regard. It, it just takes one knock past. And Dan Byrne was a victim of it a couple of times. He got away with one early on in the game, and then he, he completely fell foul of it, 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 it later on with a with a penalty. So he was he was he was sort of set up to fail that. But I think for for me, Eddie Howe has to start to manage the games in front of him and go. I have to change things. I have to do something different to combat what threat the other team has. Yeah, no, I mean to be fair, you know, I think I think that's that's spot on. And 
you know, the problem is, I think, because Eddie Howe has such a good um, spell with us, you know, that first full season, such a such an unbelievable, remarkable turnaround of fortune. He's got so much credit in the bank. It's almost got to a cult-like status where people can't have you criticising the manager. You're not saying you want him out, unlike uh, certain shithouse uh, national radio stations who seem to think that we have turned against him, which we obviously haven't, uh, on masses, especially when you have no tweets to back up your article, you wanker, before we get stuck into that a bit more detail. But going go to this whole situation, let's talk about positives before I get in the damn burn, because that ain't going to be positive, right? I'm just going to give people a little disclaimer right there. It's not going to be a positive one. So the positives, Harvey Barnes, back on the score sheet, buzzing for him. I said it in the post-match review. We were saying it in the preview as well. This kid is a fantastic footballer. He's a very accomplished footballer. He is a level above Miggy Almiron and Jacob Murphy in terms of you know, end product wingers, Mark, isn't he? He's that yeah. kind of a player. And what he reminded every single Newcastle fan who doubted him, and, and we did doubt him. There was loads of doubters you saw on Twitter and everything else. He reminded everybody in a short spell exactly what he's all about. A brilliant tackle by Miley, it has to be said. Like I say, nobody else did that apart from the entire game. Had we done that, we might not have been 4-2 down earlier on in the game. So the midfield have got to ask questions about themselves there. But that finish, Mark, Touch and bang, that's the quality. That's the difference, isn't it? That level above quality. And I just hope that Harvey can stay fit and, and have an impact towards the end of the season because he's the kind of player that could help us get a top seven finish. I think top four is gone. If we can't beat Luton at home, I'm sorry, I don't think we're finishing top four. But top seven is a realistic possibility. But we need Harvey Barnes fit and firing, mate. That was a brilliant cameo by him at the weekend, wasn't it? It was, and you're right. It reminds everybody. End of, of what you've you've missed because he's he just he looked like straight away up to it he's, he wanted to to get involved he wanted to make something thing happen he took his goal incredibly well excellent what a I mean there was just no there was no rushing that shot it was pure placement it was the keeper wasn't skill. expecting it was it because he took it so no. smoothly and quickly I think the keeper was waiting for him to shoot and he by the time he looked it was already gone it was past him wasn't it you know and you thought wow what a finish yeah. It, it was an exceptional finish and go, go back to the tackle from Miley on Bartley just beforehand as well to, to win the ball because that would that was that was what you want to see winning the ball back high up in the field and putting the putting the you know the opposition immediately under pressure. Um Barnes takes one touch, gets it out of his feet, and then just slots it lovely in the in the bottom corner. It was a brilliant finish. And he nearly um, gets the winner as well. It nearly gets yeah. the winner. What a great block that was, by the way. That could have been five four. Um, and, and the other one as well, the two the two balls, well, given Chris, the two balls from Bruno with the outside of his foot, the one for Kieran Trippier's goal, oh, excellent. and then the one right at the death where it's, it's absolutely creamed across the box and, and um, Jay Murphy just it gets his foot to it but can't, can't direct the ball um, on, on target. I mean, those were, were f- phenomenal balls. Um so praise where praise he, is he due took, in that regard. He took too long to get in the game, though, didn't he? He yeah, should have got in the game bit. about 15 so. minutes earlier, Bruno, I think. But I think, again, that comes down to the fact that the opposition against him were were playing in a way that to, to kind of prevent him being able to get that. And once the game stretched a little bit late on, he was able to be able to get a little bit further forward and um, and, and and influence the game higher up. And how many times have we said that if, you know, Bruno's better position is is playing high in the opposition um, half and being able to influence in and around the box because he's his passing is exceptional. Uh, so. 
I'm surprised we haven't had any dirty bots in the old chat there, really, to be fair. After after Mark was talking about Bruno's balls and my word, you get it all. Oh, past past half past nine, it's nearly ten o'clock. Mark's going blue. He's going blue for dads, blue for dads. Um, but no, you're right. I, th- I think we probably could have pushed on and won that game. I think Luton would have felt really hard done by rightly yeah. so. Uh, had had we pinched that game, but but that's the difference in quality. And I think when Willett gets back as well, we'll have those game changing players, whether they're on the bench or on the pitch to start with. Um, my God, do we miss you know Joe Litton and, and Joe Willock's energy, you know, and yeah. certainly in the, in the press as well. Well, and it actually helps moves on to the, the burning debate, which is the, the next the next section, which I'm going to get into here. So I'm going to have me say about Dan Byrne here, right? And I'm and I'm not going to be harsh. I'm not going to slag Byrne off as a as a player or as a bloke, right? Because I think he's a brilliant character. You know, he's fought his whole career to get back to the club that let him go as a kid. He's been brilliant for us since we've signed him, right? But let's call a spade a spade here, right? He's past 30. He's a he's a centre-half that's been shoehorned and at left-back who can do a job there, right? But when you're up against pacey wingers, which a lot of Premier League clubs have these days, and they're not household names, they're young, athletic, they look like sprinters, they don't look like footballers, they're built like sprinters. You know, they're, they're tough as nails. You can't shove them off the ball because they've got upper body strength. But the quick sidestep and, and you're away. Now, as a fullback. You know, anyone who plays football at any kind of a level, you don't have to be, you know, professional or even amateur, right? You've got two choices as a defender when you're up against pace. If you don't have pace yourself, you either drop five yards, right, and don't get too tight so the kid can't spin you, right, or you get right up his arse and you kick him 10 foot in the air. Byrne didn't either uh, in that game, and this isn't the first time we've said that this season. He's been rinsed more than one occasion at left back. Now, the bit that I don't understand, Mark, this is the bit that I can't understand, right? There's a few things I can't understand. I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent here, right? But the, the, the main thing I can't understand is, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened to Dan Byrne. You, you rewind back to Boxing Day, Alanga, Nottingham Forest, exactly the same thing. He was tortured by pace at St. James's Park to the point where Eddie had to make a change, you know, and he made it too late, right? He got ripped in the first half. We go in at halftime, 2-2. He's doing that clawing thing at Ogbeni in the first half. It's a free kick or a pen waiting to happen. How Eddie Howell isn't ruthless enough to say, you know, Dan, sit down, Tino, you're coming out the second half, right? Now, that prevents all of the things that happen after that. The penalty, and it was a penalty. Nobody can argue about that. He fouled him about nine times, right? The referee let the play go. And then the final foul is in the box, right? Now, if Byrne had let him go and let Botman try to cover, it wouldn't have been a penalty, right? It might have been a free kick, possibly. If Botman makes the challenge, the ref might have pulled it back. But... It's the penalty and he gives it away. And then he goes for a wander up the pitch. I don't know what he's thinking. He thinks he's he thinks he's Lionel Messi or something. He goes up the pitch, goes for a wander, totally no man's land. He's got no pace to get back. He can't even get back to tackle the guy, let alone get back from 15, 20 yards up the pitch. So then Trippier takes leaves of his senses and decides to run 15 yards up the other way, leaving Cher and Botman completely exposed. Rightly so, the pair have got a bollock enough Fabian Cher when the fourth goal goes in. Yes, the midfield, again, is also MIA and let Barkley play with the ball. But this is my point. You've got Tino Livramento, fully fit, on the bench, right? Lewis Hall, can't get a sniff on the bench. I'm starting to think Eddie Howe came home from a hard day's work, like Eminem's guilty conscience, and found Lewis Hall pumping Mrs. Howe. Because that, that seems to be the only explanation <laughs> as to why this kid can't get a game. I don't understand what's going on. Like, Dan Byrne was so out of his depth. On Saturday, he was getting absolutely tortured. There's no way he didn't go in the dressing room at half time and go, God, I'm fucked. That kid's ran me ragged the first half. 
what happened? You know, and then the whole situation. I'll, I'll let you come in, in a minute, Mark. I'll breathe. I promise. That's the whole, right. the whole the whole situation about the fans chanting Tino, Tino, Tino. Now, you know, a good friend of ours, uh, Dan, aka Ginger Plums, in our group chat was at the game, and he said the crowd were chanting Tino because they saw him take his top off to come on. So they were chanting Tino, 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 and then obviously the sub goes up, burn goes off. The whole stadium gave burn a round of applause because. You know, he's a Geordie boy and all the fans love him, even when he's had a bit of a shitter, which he has. And everyone's now turning that, you know, and, and misconstruing that to make it sound like people were chatting for Tino to come on for, for Burn. But, but Mark, even if there were, the fans were losing their marbles because they could see the guy getting torn to pieces and how waits until the fourth goal's gone in before he makes the change. I mean, makes sense of any of that, mate. I don't know how long I've rambled for, but it makes sense of any of that. <laughs> I'm brief. No, look, I, breathe. I, I wonder, and, and it, it might be completely wrong, but the change might have happened at half-time. Had Anthony Gordon not come off injured? Possibly. And therefore you're making two substitutions at half-time instead of one. Now, to be fair, I think anyhow has to have a little bit of bottle at that point and go, yes, I'm losing a player through injury, but you... You have to look at look at the rest of, of what's going on and go. Burn just can't keep up. But he's been done a couple of times, and it, it was it was always going to happen. And two or three more, and and it ended up costing. After that third goal, he should have been off. He should have come off straight away. And the the yeah. fourth goal, God knows where he's gone. Um, I think it's him that loses the ball. I think he's he's tried to to to, to play a pass and loses the ball. I've I've no idea what Kieran Trippy is doing. Trying to dive up to kind of block the the sort of the next play bit of play, but ends up out of position with a player behind him. He's completely lost his head at that point. Um, and then, it, I mean, that's just yeah, everything went wrong with that one. But just I, on that I, point I, as well, Mark. Just on that point with what Gary's saying there about Miggy having to come out the game. That's exactly right as well. Miggy was criticised and said he had a poor game because he was covering Dan Burn. Just just before you, you go on, yeah. Last season, we talked about this before we came on. Last season, a lot of the lack of Dan Burns' pace was masked by the just the utter work rate of Joe Linton and Joe Willock on that left hand side to pull him out the shit on numerous occasions. It's no surprise that they ain't there this season, by and large, for most of the season, and he's exposed, mate. I think so. He's he's having to to do a lot more forward, and he's not a forward thinking defender. He, he's not a trippier by any stretch of the imagination and and he is getting caught forward and he's not able to get back if he's a an old style lee dixon fullback that just sits on the halfway line at most you get away with it a little bit more and last season exactly that you get the odd forward the odd time but in general the, the forward play was done by joe linton and willock on that left hand side and they would cover a lot joe linton's a huge miss in that because his energy to get backwards and forwards in that midfield to be able to cover and be able to to block off that left hand side before the problems even got to him, how many times have we seen Joe Linton move left, wide left, to block off those sort of runs and and take out that kind of player by just his presence being there? Um, so it, I think that is huge on on Burn, but for me that it, it all comes down to the fact that he's. He's been asked to play in games where he's just not suited for it. There will be games where Dan Byrne is perfectly suited to play in, in left-back, you know, where you haven't got those those speedy wingers. 
you know, up against the likes of, of a, and we'll go back, Elanga was one. You, you come up against, I, I easily think a Garnacho now will, will probably pull that side and, and go for him. Probably will, in terror pieces, probably, yeah. So there are games that he'll suit, there are games that he won't. And that's that's fine. And this goes back to what I was saying before about playing the game that's in front of you, not 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 the one that's gone, not not what you've seen for the last thirty-five games. It's what's right for for right now. Dan Burn just wasn't right for that game, not in that position. And that's on um, the manager. That's yes. not, that's not on Dan Burn. That that's on Eddie Howe, and we'll make that abundantly clear. Eddie Howe has put Dan Burn in that position. He's played Dan Burn would play in goal for Newcastle. He's Geordie through and through. He loves the club. And he will play anywhere he, you know, he's asked to play by the manager. He's not going to say, actually, Gaffer, that kid's going <laughs> to rip me to pieces because I can't catch him. He's not going to say that. <laughs> he's going to he's going to take the shirt and he's going to play it rightly so, because he wants as many appearances for his hometown club as possible. But the truth of the matter is, Eddie Howe has not done the team any favors there because he's 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 put Bear in a position where straight away he's up against it, Mark. And you've got to sacrifice one of your your own teammates to cover for him because he's getting done all the time, you know, and that's just not clever tactics by Eddie Howe. And, and, you know, never mind the national media, the local fans will question that as well, won't they? Because why is he doing that? No, and it's right. And look, there's been a lot of, you put this on X, didn't you, about the, the ability to be able to criticise. Look, yeah. Things I'll get to that about Burn in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Things were done wrong. We Look, Eddie Howe's been guilty of making mistakes and, and you're ha- within your right to say yes I believe he's made a mistake um he, you know the sun doesn't shine out of his ass he's not a god he will make mistakes when he does things right we've we heap praise on him he's getting so much praise over the last two years it's unbelievable but he, he has to be called up for when he makes these sort of mistakes and and continues to to be fair because it's it's not the first time that he's done done this. And and within the last what eight to ten weeks, so we're, we're, it's right to question. It's right to say, look, it, it, you, we don't believe it's right. That's our opinion, rightly or wrongly. We're allowed to have one. You can't, you know. And if you don't agree with it, that's absolutely fine. But yes, those questions will come, and you, you know, I don't believe with the the talk shite part about. You know, fans turning on Eddie Howe. No, we're not saying that Eddie Howe should go or that he's, his, his job's on the line yet or anything like that, but he's made mistakes. It's within your right to actually say, we think you got it wrong. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, again, the thing with Byrne and the criticism, you know, as you made reference to there as well, this is a weird time to be a football fan. There used to be a time as a football fan where if a player had a bad game, you could criticise the player for having a bad game. Some of the stuff I've seen going around, honestly, blew my fucking socks off. It really did. You know, prominent journalists saying, hey, listen, you know, Dan Byrne went to a charity evening and that's the kind of guy he is, by the way. You're like, what the fuck has that got to do with the fact that he couldn't catch his own arse on Saturday at three o'clock? I mean, you know, she would take the piss out of him saying, oh, at least you turned up here, you didn't turn up this afternoon, everyone having a good old giggle and, oh, isn't that great? Dan Byrne can laugh it off. Well, that is great that he can laugh it off, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about him being exposed during the game and costing as a penalty and, 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 you know, going wandering and leaving his position for the fourth goal. This whole thing about, you know, almost trying to guilt trip you into having an opinion on a player. If you don't think a player is good enough, 
as a football fan, it's your God-given right to express that opinion. Don't be hateful. Don't be abusive. Don't slag off the man himself, you know, and, and attack him personally. But as a football fan, you've got every single right to say you don't think he's good enough to play in the team or or his performance was lacking. It doesn't matter who the player is. Even if it's fucking Messi or Mbappe, you could say you thought they were poor. They didn't do enough. They didn't finish enough chances. That's every single football fan's got game right. This new age culture... And this, this club is the worst for it. Ever since the takeover, it's the worst for it. You seem to have an opinion on a player. Honestly, I was listening to a prominent fan media podcast, right? I couldn't believe in the ears. They were giving Louis Miley a harder time than they were Dan Byrne. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, what, what game were you lot watching? Because you were watching the same game I was. You know, one kid played a part in two goals and you're digging him out more and you're digging out the guy who conceded two goals or played a part in two goals being conceded. And then, like I say, you've got prominent journalists guilt-tripping you into saying, listen, he's a wonderful guy, by the way. You know, fucking hell, Fat Barry's a wonderful guy in the boozer. He wouldn't play him centre-half. Do you know what I mean? He's a top bloke. He, he's always got a great joke in the in the chamber and he'll always buy you a fucking stick him up front in the Champions League final. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the most craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. As a football fan, if you're watching this, wherever you are in the world, if you want to express your opinion, be it good or bad, express your opinion. Don't be a dick. Don't be abusive. But just express your opinion. And don't allow any of these higher than now white steed riding motherfuckers tell you otherwise. That's my opinion on it, mate. Honestly, it's driving me nuts. And breathe again. <laughs> breathe again. <laughs> it's, too, it's turned into where what's going on with the rant, I think, is what it's turned on. But it's driving me fucking mad, it really is, no, honestly. You, kind of stand you, you're absolutely banging. Look, that that message that came out from from the German journalist smacked of a journalist. Journalist, journalist was it, it smacked of a. Please leave him alone. He's a nice guy. We know he's, he's a my nice mate. guy. He's my we mate. Know, leave him alone. Nobody's what? questioning the fact that he's, he's he puts in heart and soul into every performance. You know he, no, he is he is Geordie. He's at his hometown club and he, he gives absolutely everything. No, no one's disputing that at all. All we're saying is. For that particular game and in moments like that, he was poor. That's it. Nobody's no. If you are abusive to him, then get fucked because that, exactly. that's not it. That's You're not absolutely welcome. right. Yeah. That's crossing the line. And, that's crossing the line. Yeah. And that goes with people who are giving an opinion as well. If if you're abusive then to people who who express an opinion, you can get fucked too because. I'm sorry, you're allowed to have an opinion. And I've just told you to get fucked for having an opinion on something. But and I, I, I get the, the irony mixed I, I get in with that. Go with it. But, but you get the point. Look, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Let's talk about it. At the end of it, we'll work out I was right. But that's different. But you're allowed to you're allowed to express your opinions on something. What the fuck did we used to do? We used to go to the pub and argue about this before before the, like, the likes of social media. We never used to be this angry about, about stuff. We never used to... About people who didn't agree with us, you're just not allowed to disagree with anything anymore, and it's ridiculous. Yes, he was poor. We're allowed to say it. He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant character. He's great in that dressing room. He's great for the club. He's done a ridiculously good job over the last eighteen months. But for God's sake, you're allowed to you're allowed to say yes, he was shit. In that particular moment, he was he was crap. He needed to come off. He needed to be removed from that situation, yeah. and 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 not have. As somebody's put in the comments, I can't find it. Is have his confidence completely destroyed? 
Well, that's that's what Stevie B saying oh, there. there. Yeah, Eddie, yeah. yeah. Eddie could, uh, seamlessly, mate. Seamlessly, this Brilliant. is what. See, you get you get lightheaded when you run, mate, because you don't <laughs> run enough as well. Uh, <laughs> and breathe. But Stevie's right. He's saying he couldn't end up destroying his confidence. I think of Harry Maguire. Prime example, Harry Maguire. How many times did we say he shouldn't be playing? Because everyone, I wouldn't say they're waiting for him to make a mistake, but the the reaction to make the mistake is so amplified because he's making so many that. People are going, oh, oh, and then that's what will end up happening at Dan Burn. If he plays Burn against Forrest and Alanga burns him and, and the same thing happens, imagine the reaction from the fan base in the ground on social media. You know, And then if he plays him again in the next home game against Bournemouth, oh, when his name gets announced, you don't want that for Dan Burn because no. you know he is one of our own and he's putting some warrior-type shifts for Newcastle. But the top and bottom of it is there is games where Dan Burn is great. You know, that strength, that physicality, that in your face, that you're not getting past me today, mate, that kind of a thing. And Burn is perfect for that. But there's games where he's not perfect. And when somebody is running at him with rapid speed that can jink left to right and he isn't quick enough to react, he's not right for that game. There's a kid sitting there who is right for that game and his name is Tino Livramento. Put him on the pitch. You know, that is just a simple, a simple solution to a simple problem. You know, and I don't really understand, you know, what, what is going on with that. Marcus is saying he agrees, Chris, too many assholes. Many have no idea what they're talking about, uh, or they are punk-ass eight-year-old bits. <laughs> I like that, man. I like the mixture of American and Geordie slag there as well, which is great. And we've got a donation from Graham Ritchie. Good to see you, Pa. Thank you very much for that. Thank I have you, to man. blame Eddie. Eddie putting Big Dan Burn in that position. I totally agree, Graham. Eddie has to take that flack. I mean, did you see the bullshit excuse he gave? Or oh, I kept them on because it was aerial prowess. We conceded three goals in the deck, Eddie. What are you talking about? You know, rightly so. If that had been Steve Bruce, it would have been, well, you know, you know, and everyone would have took the piss out of him, you know, and had a go at him. But because it's Eddie Howe, we can get away with it. You know, I'm not having it. It's bullshit, Eddie. Eddie should be called out on it. Uh, Dan will be gutted himself. Great show, guys. Yeah, thanks, Graham. And thanks for your, your kind donation you, as well, mate. But, but yeah, he's absolutely right. Gary says, sadly, Chris, opinions like arseholes. Everybody's got one, but no one wants to hear it. You know, and I think as well, in the in terms of the, the journalists, I think I said this, didn't I, in the post-match, there's not many journalists who will, will put those questions to Eddie either. Craig Cope's probably one of the only ones who will put it to him. So many of them just seem to be wanting to be his best mate and they don't want to ask him difficult questions. And, and listen, Eddie's a great manager. He's the best manager I've had since Sir Bobby Robson. If I was in a room with him, I would say, Eddie, I love you. What you've done is spectacular. But after that game, I'd have said to him, why didn't you hook him off? He was getting ripped to pieces. Why didn't you hook him? I, I ask him that honest question because I'd want to know. It, it, or at least phrase it in a way where, where, where the contemplation for taking him off earlier. You, you know, did, did, like I said before, did he have the, the England that he might, have, he might have changed things at half time at the back to, to combat what they were, what they were doing? And not phrasing in a way that, yeah, you fucked up and, yeah, yeah, he's been awful. But phrasing the way was, it, it's that more friendly way, isn't it? it, it but, but at least put it to the, you know, to, to the question because you've got the audience, you've got him there. Mm. Like he can say yes or no, he can ignore it or he can he can give you a um, an answer for it. I, I don't quite like the, Let's let's revert back, and I think that some of the questions are all we're asking. He's talked about Dan Burns since the game and said, you know, he's been outstanding. Yes, he has. He has been outstanding for an awful lot of the time. But again, we come back to the fact in that moment it wasn't right and it should have been changed. So, yeah. But if those journalists are going in there, you, you've got to have the opportunity. You've got to take it to be able to ask those difficult questions. Why not? Why wouldn't you ask them? 
Don't be a shithead. Don't be horrible about it. But just just ask the questions that everybody is thinking. Exactly. And and I think it all goes back to Eddie's credit in the bank. I think really is why they they give him a bit of an easier ride. But if it keeps going on like this, they are going to start to ask those difficult questions because their bosses will demand it. And he's saying he fears that Dan Byrne has got a point where any mistake is exaggerated, just like it was for Maxi. Uh, He could have three man of the match awards and get hammered the next game. I do partly agree with that, Andy. I think, again, the other part is, you know, Maxi didn't help himself either at times. You know, he would his final ball wasn't quite there or he'd make the wrong decisions. He'd be on the floor beating the grass and, you know, it was a very different kind of way to Dan Byrne. Maxi had ability in spades, you know. It, for Maxi, it was more the application and the attitude. It wasn't the ability. Um, but then, but again, it goes back to this manager has a rigid system that he wants to play and Maxi was too much of a free spirit to fit in that system, in my opinion. And I think that's why it didn't work out. You go back to Bruce, who just had no idea what he was doing. And Maxi was this like genie in a bottle. He just used to rub and go, come on, Alan, save the day. <laughs> and then how he would come, you know, and score, score a worldie. But, but with Dan Byrne, this whole team has been built on this rigid defensive unit, which Byrne was part of. But whatever's happened, whether it's injuries, whether it's age, you know, fatigue, he's been found out. And I think, like I said before, the fact that he's not got Joe Linton and Willick to cover his arse, is 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 making them more exposed because the, the current personnel aren't there. I've seen a couple of comments about the midfield, and I agree, Mark. That midfield three don't work. It don't work because Bruno looks like a lost lamb. He doesn't know whether he's a six or an eight. You know, he's in the middle somewhere. I don't know what he's doing. Sean Longstaff, two great goals at the weekend, but defensively, Bartley ran through him like he was tracing papers, you rightly say. Louis Miley's 17 years old, for Christ's sake. You know, we can't be too judgmental of the kid. You know, he's, he's shown so much quality, but he's a 17-year-old lad. He's learning his game. You know, he's, he's going to make mistakes. You can't put all of your hopes and dreams on this 17-year-old kid and then rip him to pieces when he misplaces a pass or miscontrols a ball. He's 17. What's Longstaff? 26? Bruno's 24? You know, they're supposed to be the senior players looking after Louis Miley and helping him with his game, not the other way around, mate. Yeah. Uh, come back to that man-of-the-match comment. Yeah, see, but Dan can might have three man-of-the-matches in a, in a row in games that he, he suits... He suited. He was brilliant in 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 early games in the season, but it comes a point where just having three man of the match performances in a row doesn't mean that the next game you should play. Because no, if no, if, no, if, if the if the tactics if you're not right for the game, if you're not right for the game, exactly. And that, and that's what and that's what we're saying. Look, he he can play against Fulham and be brilliant, but in the next game you might come up against a a wider player that has more pace, a little bit more more trickery, and and will have him on toast as you put as you put earlier on. And it's just not right for him to play in that particular game. So, and I think those then mistakes are are, are exaggerated because of that, because of the fact that mm. it's just rinse and repeat all the time with the, with the side. It's the best eleven available to play. You know, it's not always on paper that or, or what's come beforehand that's the best eleven. It, it's what is right for that moment. So that, that I mean that's that's it. I'll, I'll end up just repeating myself over and over again on that one. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, it's it's a harsh, and I feel bad, but for for doing it because I really like him. I genuinely yeah, and do, he, and, and he's ran he's through been, brick walls for this club, man. He's he's exactly. been immense. He really has. Exactly. I, I'm not saying he's a bad player or attacking. Nigga. This no. is the difference. You can criticize a guy's performance without saying you think he's shit or you want him out. It's those extremities that people leap to, and whether it's subtly like that journalist did with that tweet. I'm not going to name them. I don't want any pod wars. <laughs> I do like what they do. To be fair, but I didn't agree with that. I thought it was unnecessary, as you say. It was almost a "leave my mate alone" type thing. 
you know. So maybe you can get an exclusive interview with Dan Byrne, at, you know, at a Blythe Chippy somewhere in three weeks' time or whatever. You know, it just it reeked a little bit of that cronyism, and I just thought, ah, fuck off. I'm not interested in that. If you're going to be a journalist, be a journalist and write the truth. Don't send out horse shit like that and try and butter the guy up. You know what I mean? Nobody will know more than Dan Byrne how bad a game he had on Saturday. Nobody will know more than that. That will He'll have him up. Of course it will. He'd be devastated at that. His bloody mates are season ticket holders, for God's sake. Just a comment here from Simon. It's an interesting one. Is Eddie Howe a better manager than Rafa Benitez? I'm not so sure, Chris. I'll tell you what, I'll answer that, Simon. He's a more experienced manager, is Rafa Benitez. That's for sure. Whether he's a better manager, I don't know. But he's a more experienced manager. I feel that Rafa probably has more cards in the deck than Eddie does just because of the length of time he's been a manager. Just quickly on that, Mark, before we move on, agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think... It's different periods of time. So it's really difficult to judge in terms of Newcastle. They're, they're probably on par. The, the job that Rafa did was exceptional. You know, you look at that, even though, you, you know, they, they went down with him in charge, the damage had been done. He came in and, and revived a dead ship. You know what I mean? He, they, they, the team went on such a run when he came in. They were exceptional. Exactly the same way that Eddie Howe came in to the the mess that was the Steve Bruce era and, and revived it. So they're kind of probably on a par. I, I, I think in terms of Newcastle, I think Eddie Howe is slightly ahead of them just yeah. with, with, with what's happened over the last 12 months or so. Um, but they're, they're, they're close, probably too close to call. Um, either one you could say that would, would probably be the best manager since Sir Bobby. Um, and, and you could, you could argue it either way, but yeah, I, I think both, for different reasons, both exceptional. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, one of the good things as well, one of the bad things, obviously, was Gordon going up. One of the good things was, like, everyone's seen it on, on social media. He was walking around the Metro Centre, no boot on, um, posing for photos with, you know, with kids and stuff like that. So he seems to be in good form, does Gordon. And, and I saw something earlier on today, um, whether it was just an ITK thing, one of the people saying that Gordon's all right and he was at the training ground and he was running around on the grass. So that's huge for us, if that's the case. If Gordon can play against Forrest because it looks like Isaac's going to miss the next two games. Again, that questions why we didn't bother moving for somebody in January, even on loan. Uh, Hugo, Hugo, Atiki, anybody, you know, I don't know what was going on with that. You know, we'll we'll have a massive ding-dong about that, I'm sure, come the end of the season when we see where we finish. But they ain't got time tonight. We'll be on for another hour. So the next section we're going to cover is uh, somebody who always delivers, that is War Flags. Uh, we know the guys, we've had Thomas on the show before for War Flags. Absolutely amazing what those guys do. The atmosphere they create, Mark, before games were both sampled. It's incredible. It really, really is. And, and what they did at the weekend was they had a bit of a message, didn't they? And it was a very, very important message. We've ranted about this on the channel before. Um, I know a lot of other social media outlets have and, and fan-led media has as well. And, and it was this, if anyone didn't see it. So this was the display that War Flags had at the ground on Saturday. And it was TV before fans. Um, and they were talking about, you know, just games being changed at ridiculous times and ridiculous times of the weekend. And, and lo and behold, after this, so after this got that, that credence and that coverage mark, what happens? They go and change the game against Chelsea on March the 11th, which is a Monday, to 8pm down in London. I mean, what in the fuck are these people doing, mate? Honest to God. Are they just taking the piss or what? What is going on, man? Yeah, um, just thank, thanks, uh, RG Fox. Thank you, RG for Fox. Top and you're absolutely right. Of, of, top um, man all, lady. I don't know who you are. <laughs> top, top. <laughs> um, 
But but War Flags are mint, and, and what they do is exceptional. Um, just before I get started as well, just uh, El Capo has, has joined oh, as a member as well. So thank El you and welcome, the, welcome thank to you the so squad. Thank you for that. Welcome to the squad, El Capo. Um, yeah, look, it's, I mean, it, it, we've forgotten that football is about fans now. It, it completely isn't. It? It's all it's all it's all business orientated. The message that the War Flags put, put out, um, and like I say, it was dedicated to highlighting the disgusting kickoff times that have been afforded to us by the broadcasters, both the Premier League and the FA Cup since the turn of the year. It is, and and that absolutely right. That that next line it makes a mockery of the Green Football Weekend, which have been celebrated by by certain broadcasters. And if you didn't see the colour of the um, the the microphones that they kept talking about, oh, you look, you know, I could spot you from a mile off. But they, fucking hell, man, honestly, but they do this all the time. And, and Newcastle have been massively hit by by these kickoff times. It, it's ridiculous. You go back to the FA Cup one where they put it on a time when you just you can't get back. There, there are no trains to get back at that time of night. So we're talking about keeping football green and you go and do something like that when then everybody has to use road, use road transport. I mean, it, it's so hypocritical. Um, and and it, once again, you, you go and you change a long-distance you know, Monday night game for, for, for you know, it, it just, I don't know, I, 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 can, I can almost give up with it because that's just not going to change. And it, it doesn't matter how much pressure you, you put on, how much you say, you know, how many times you, whether you're not, you want to get in touch with the, the companies and, and or the Premier League and to, you know, complain about it. It ain't going to, it ain't going to mean a thing. They don't care. They really no. don't, and and it's it, it, stuff like that just highlights to everybody else just just how shit this really is, and the number of games that get changed and get changed at the last minute. Was it the is it the Chelsea one that's been changed within the time frame that they set themselves to to change it? I think so. so yeah, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, and, so, and they just they just last minute dot com did again. Yes, yeah, fucked everybody up really. It's just there's no, there's no care whatsoever. J- just before you move on, Mark, the mighty win. Yes, mate. 120 watching, only 40 likes. How are man? Yes, guys, smash that like button. It's that button, not that one. I'm pointing down. I put the wrong finger there. So smash. I went like that. Sorry, Don't I meant like that. Smash the like button. Smash the like, guys, if you can. Sorry, Mark. Go on. Finish your point there, mate. And I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah, so I mean, they've got their own, they've got their own guidelines to follow for these games, where you've got to give so much notice in order to, to you know, for, for games to to get put on like that, and and they've they've ducked that again, and they and they've changed it within that. So, so fans have already arranged transport, they've already potentially arranged um, places to stay to go down for these for these games, and then again they're penalised by the fact that. The Premier League or the the, uh, the FA have changed at the last minute to to change the, the the date and time of the thing. So so people then having to try and find refunds for tickets or um or, or for for accommodation or, or rearrange their travel plans and things like that. It's just ridiculous. Do, do you know what I think one of the worst things that ever happened? Uh, just Marcus, there, great man, donating ten pound every month for War Flags. I'm sure they really appreciate that, mate. You're an absolute star. Um, one of the worst things that happened to the greed of football was was lockdown football because they got to see a world where no fans were there and they had the TV and people were still watching the TV and then they piped in that fake crowd noise back home. And, and we as football fans all thought it was vile, but those rich, greedy, fat cat executives were licking their chops and they were just thinking, oh, this is great. We could charge people whatever we want and watch it at home and all this other stuff. And 
you're totally right. And the War Flags guys, fantastic of them doing that as well and, and putting themselves out there to do it. Um, absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful in terms of the greed with it, it's in football now. It's all about money. They don't give a fuck. Even the FFP, the FFP was brought in to keep the rich clubs richer and the poor clubs poor. That's exactly what it was brought in for. And everybody can see that. Everybody can, you know, sense that. You know, the top four clubs are the greedy six, the ones who want to fuck off for the Super League. Uh, more on that in a second. But those lot who want to fuck off in the Super League, they they are the kind of people who wanted that to keep them sweet. It was like a little, it's like one of them, you know, mobsters that, you know, here's a little $50, buy yourself something nice, a little smack in the cheek. That was what it was for those big, rich clubs. <laughs> and and this, this whole TV money thing, and the FA Cup and all, we kicked off about this last time, you know, putting us, putting us, you know, at eight o'clock down at Fulham on a Saturday and it's, you know, it's on ITV4 and you're thinking, are you fucking winding me up? Like, put it on the red button or something, let people watch it that way. You know, if you want to do that, you'll still get the views and Newcastle fans could get down at three o'clock and get the last train back at King's Cross and get back at a decent time, you know, but no, or we want you to stay over, drop another two, 300 quid or whatever on trains and hotels and everything else. And like you say, Mark, never mind the carbon footprint, it's the cost in the middle of a cost of living crisis, these people are so detached from the football fan themselves. It is obscene. Look what Fulham did. Look at Fulham the other day when the fans rejected going to the Newcastle game. Look at the statement that came out. Laura Woods even looked embarrassed to read it out on the TV. It was disgraceful. It just shows you, mate, they don't give a fuck about the fans whatsoever. And what is that going to mean for the fans of tomorrow? What is that going to mean? Yeah. I mean, oh. Many times we, we do the, the corporate fans that that's the, the, the interest, that's where the money is. Really, they don't make it. You, I always remember the comment from was it the Bayern Munich? Um, in fact, was it was it Beckenbauer in, in, in Germany that had said why, or was it the, the, the Munich owner who said, Why would we charge them more? They, they don't bring an awful lot of money into the um into the club in terms of you know the overall revenue for for, for tickets because yeah they, they get the all of their revenue from from advertising from from sponsorships and stuff so but you you have a better product by having more fans and, and, and having a better you know better fans in there so it, that that's a, the comment that always sticks in my mind but the the, the TV companies and, and ultimately the league don't care. Um, they'll care about empty grounds. If suddenly the grounds are all empty, they, they might care a little bit. Yeah, you would bang on the head, bang the nail on the head there about lockdown football, which was, did it make a scrap of difference? Did it really? Because the, the show was still on. It was still, it was on telly every yeah. single, every single day. Um, and, and they got more money out of it because suddenly there was a deal with BBC. There was a deal with this. There was a deal with that to be able to, to put more money on, on on uh, more football on so i'm not sure they were too bothered the clubs were because the clubs were losing some income out of it but they mm. didn't they had less outgoings because they weren't having to to have the the mass policing and, and stewarding and all that kind of stuff that comes with with match days the clubs i i, I would guess will make very little out of the the games themselves because the money that they're getting from the fans is, is going out in terms of and the the match day stuff that they have on, um, the but the everything is geared towards football on TV. Look at the billions that Sky pay for for yeah. for the deals for the, for the international broadcasters. How much money comes in from them? The fans are secondary to this all now. 
It's it's interesting that comment Ty said about uh, about Sky being so desperate to include Liverpool in their visuals last season when they were eleventh place. It was interesting. I don't know if anybody saw it. Uh, a shout out to uh, to a friend of the channel, Rich, the Villa Park Pod. Uh, they did some great stuff over the Villa Park Pod as well. But they had the uh, so obviously Arsenal Liverpool played uh, the other night, which we'll cover in our tune in a minute. And they had the table of the title race. And the cut Villa off the bottom, even though they're only three points off <laughs> Manchester City. It's nuts, and it was, isn't it? It was the Villa fans were kicking off, and I was thinking it's the most ridiculous thing. If I'd been Newcastle, I'd have been fucking seething. You were like, you've just sliced us off the bottom, like you've cropped the photo. You just thinking the rancid nature of how much they adore those teams on Sky is putrid. It really, really is. It makes me want to hurl, man. It is, it is nuts. When you look at that top four now, and there is three points between fourth and uh, second and fourth, and yet you're right, they talk about it being a top three. And and it, it, it was nuts. And, and, and realistically, a lot of that happened last year with Newcastle. Well, and Newcastle was sitting in, and there was, we talked we got about, was, there, yeah, was there a chance that Newcastle could, could, could make a, a play for the title and things? At one point, they were, they were, it was close. They most had a game in hand and things. You thought, maybe, maybe. Did Sky or anybody talk about it? Absolutely not. No, nope. in the end, I guess that they're right. They, they didn't mention it. But in that moment, there's not much between them all. Things could could happen, in which case you have an outside team that, that comes into it and, and, and can challenge. But it's so reluctant to even even utter the, that, the fact that, uh, you know, and one of the teams from outside of the greedy six can get in there. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's a nice little segue. We love a segue on the, on the show into the last section of the night, out of tune. And we might as well stick with uh, the greedy six. So, so as we said, Arsenal-Liverpool played the other night. Uh, Arsenal wiped the floor with Liverpool, really. Uh, got very overexcited, as Arsenal often do. Uh, there's always extremities with Arsenal. When they win, it's like they've won the World Cup. When they lose, he's a disgrace, as he says, uh, and he gets really pissy and gets bony, doesn't he? But but somebody who uh, got a little bit spitty, no pun intended, cough, cough, um, was uh, Jamie Carragher, uh, who was obviously doing commentary on Sky in the night. And my God, he got upset, didn't he? Now, uh, Martin Odegaard at the end of the game uh, was taken... Some would say spitting mad. Spitting mad, did him, yes. Premature ejaculation, as you as you said the other night. Here all week, guys. <laughs> Absolutely, but but yeah. So so Carragher was obviously uh, you know incandescent with his his his, his anger towards uh, Odegaard messing around on the pitch and, and having a bit of fun and games with the photographers, as I think probably most people would have saw. And uh, you know he was moaning about. It and he said, "Just get off the pitch and get in the tunnel." Now this was brilliant because this prompted quite a lot of things on social media. Um, a very fun exchange with Piers Morgan. But but the main thing which made me laugh was was this tweet that came up. Um, from, from uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name on Twitter. What was it? Was it uh, John? I think it was, or Jimmy, or something. Oh, it was. I can't find a guy, guy's I, name. Really maybe. bad. I cut him off. Yeah. Jim yeah. um, Keegan. Jim, Ke- Jim Keegan. Brilliant, brilliant tweet this was. So, so Carragher said, by all means, enjoy it, but enjoy it by being disciplined. Uh, he tweeted this about obviously uh, Odegaard getting a bit excited. Then underneath, <laughs> Was was this is what I love about the internet? They never forget. It's like an elephant, isn't it? They said this was this was Carragher saying, "Look at Jurgen Klopp, 
while Klopp ran on the pitch, acting like a complete bell end like he normally does, and pumping his chest and taking all the adulation. And uh, Carragher couldn't really get out of this. He was trying to be a bit funny and and, uh, and backtrack out of it and, and all this other stuff, mate. But but again, Mark, it's the hypocritical nature, isn't it? Of these pundits—they're supposed to be impartial. And they did. I like Carragher for what's worth, but he really his head went there, didn't it? He completely wobbled there, didn't he? Okay, I, yeah, completely. I, I just, it was such a bitter little snidey rant when, when your yeah, team's been beaten. But you know, have you seen on Sky Sports YouTube channel today that they've put out a video of Jamie Carragher? Jamie Carragher rates the biggest over celebrations. Oh my god, really? <laughs> is that is that them trying to style their way out of it by oh yes. like a bunch of shit How to there, make yeah. how to get him to not look like a complete rebellion, yeah. which he is. Yeah. Um <laughs> or he, he was he been. was last night. Yeah, he was then. I'll give him his credit. Actually, he does he is normally pretty good. Um, but yeah, he's he's look, I get it, your team's lost. Deal with it. But they were beaten by the better. I mean, Liverpool was shit yesterday. Um, and they were they were widely beaten by the better side. Um, so yeah, you deal with it. You move on. You get on with it. Let them let them celebrate. It's exactly the same as when teams kick off about Newcastle taking it, um, the the team foe after every win. It's nothing special. It's not against you. They do it for every game that they win. You're not being picked on. Fucking have a word for yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, there's been some very interesting uh, backlash from 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 teams not winning. None so none so more than Chelsea, who were beaten uh, resoundly four two by uh, Gary O'Neill. What a job he's doing, by the way, at Wolves. Um, they got beat four two at the Bridge. They were fucking terrible. There's uh, stories coming out. They can't even sack. Pochettino, or they'll be breaching FFP again and no doubt be relegated. So it's actually quite hilarious, to be honest with you, because uh, I'm not a big fan of Chelsea. Not many people are. Um, but this set then prompted uh, um, the, the unbelievably shit winger that is £80 million worth of, uh, is it Makaya Mudrick, uh, who we were linked to, thank fuck we dodged that bullet, uh, offering a Chelsea about that. Yeah, I genuinely forgot Chelsea, about that link. <laughs> yeah, offered a Chelsea fan Sorry. out. Um, on social media, uh, this little exchange here, when uh, I think the, the fan was basically saying, you're not good enough or whatever, I could do a better fucking job. And uh, Mudrick then said, well, come on then, <laughs> I'll pay you money to basically do a better job, which <laughs> which was quite humorous. But, I mean, what are these players doing these days, Mark? Just stay off social media, man. What are you doing? Leave it Just alone. It's crazy. Don't get man. involved in it. I mean, yeah, it, look, it, it's never nice to get criticised. They've been unbelievably bad for 18 months plus now. Um, and he, Mudrick epitomizes that. They've spent all this money on him and not just him. They've spent all that money on on Casado and Fernandez, Fernandez and the 17 Jackson defenders that they, they signed. Nicholas Jackson is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing he successfully got into was a fucking female YouTuber, I think. It's about the only thing he successfully got into, mate. That's the only box he's got to do. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, so, so, well, no, I'm not, we'll not go there again. Um, but That's what he said. <laughs> too right, too. Um, you just, you don't, you don't get involved in don't that sort of stuff. You just, you walk away, you switch it off or you block or you move. It. Just don't get involved in it. It's just, I, 
I think the the, the the tweet that somebody put out, oh, he's offered him out for like 10 grand. He's offered to play against him. He's offered to come and, and you know, do a better job sort of thing. He's, the way it was initially worded by them was that he'd offered him out for a fight for 10 grand or whatever it was. Um, but, you, yeah, you just don't get involved. Leave it alone. Move on. Try doing a better job on the pitch. Allegedly, yes, we forgot about the word allegedly. Uh, allegedly, of course, of course. We All of what we said before uh, was allegedly, <laughs> Mr. Lawyer Man. Right, exactly, exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a mad little it's mad, it's a mad little world. Um, you know the the um, the whole situation with with, with these um, these players just losing their heads a little bit, respond to people just don't need to do it really. Just, just, just leave it be. But there, there is somebody else who's getting a bit of flack as well, which is quite funny because university football is quite well loved. Uh, and that's David Beckham. So, so David Beckham's coming under a bit of pressure here. Um, obviously into Miami and a star studded lineup of, you know, Lionel Messi and, and Luis Suarez and, um, you know, and, uh, uh, Busquets and all these other players. Um, they've been on a little whirlwind tour. So, so they played Ronaldo's team, Al Messi, and got battered. And Laporte scored from the halfway line. Messi was on the bench for that. Now, this isn't the game that's, that's caused the headlines. So the headlines was this one. They, they played in Hong Kong didn't they, against a select 11. And all these fans went nuts for Messi coming. Um, and obviously got tickets and came with the game only for Messi to have been on the bench and cause absolute outrage, mate. <laughs> Just honestly, what what was what was the the the, you know, the uh, Inter Miami management team thinking about not playing him? Surely, from a marketing point of view, and Beckham should know that more than anybody, being big in Hong Kong and everything else, mate. So, I, I mean, Beckham for a guy who markets himself massively for for everything. To, to not play to the crowd at that point, it's just wild. Um, you, you've got the biggest name in, in, in world football with you at an event that is there to draw attention to the club and, and draw money in and, and, and put out the brand of, the, of, the, of, of the, the club or franchise or whatever they call it. Um, it's just the bonkers, and I kind of get I, why you, why the why the fans in the in the condo are so upset about it because they they really they've paid to go and see Lionel Messi. Um, it's a little bit like at times when you see the the NBA stars and and you know, you pay an absolute fortune to go to the, some, some of the NBA games and then they rock up with half a team. Um, and you've paid to go and see a, a LeBron James or whatever, and then he's he's not even playing. And and I get in in terms of a, a, a league games or um, that that sort of thing that can happen. But for, for going out for commercial purposes for a game like that, you, you you've got to put the player on the field that everybody's come to, to come to see. It's just nuts. Yeah, they, they, they really did uh, drop a bit of a clangor on that one. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what what they were what they were thinking uh, on that one, but uh, but yeah, it, it was a it was a it was a very very strange one. I mean, the whole messy thing over in, in America is quite strange in itself. Anyways, it's like a retirement home, isn't it? Really for uh, for these uh, for these guys um, in terms of uh, at the end of their career. I'm not sure how much more time. Uh, Messi will actually have over there to be fair, and you know, and Suarez and everybody else. It's just a bit of a you know a swan song, so to speak. Anyway, but but moving on to to the last couple of sections there. So Chris Wilder isn't happy, which is probably the most uh, easiest understatement to talk about. Chris Wilder, he's never happy, is he? To be fair, but but Chris Wilder was moaning after uh, you know the latest Sheffield United uh, hiccup 
uh, in their battle to stay in the Premier League, which they clearly won't be. Um, and he, he went a little bit of a rant about how uh, his team aren't getting every 50-50 going against him and everything else. And, and he confronted, apparently, the, the referee who's, whose assistant, you know, disgustingly enough to Chris, was eating a sandwich at the time, which he found disgraceful. Um, and he said, well, I hope you enjoyed your sandwich while you were talking to a Premier League manager. Now, I would will, be willing to bet that that sandwich, if the guy didn't eat it, would probably still be fresh by the time Chris Wilder is no longer a Premier League manager. <laughs> I don't know what would uh, what would be the race to the bottom there, but cue the internet brilliantly putting up this image of a very upset sandwich alongside Chris Wilder. Uh, and also Mark's own little take saying that he looked a bit like Beaker from the Muppets with, uh, with that face as well. I mean, really, isn't it? <laughs> what, what a miserable bastard. I mean, he shouldn't even be in that job. Anyway, he should count himself lucky. He shouldn't even be in that fucking job. Right? Uh, but he was brought them? back because they were they were a mess and he's brought back to try and, I, I think, stabilise him for, for the championship. But he complained after the game for walking into an office and finding a guy eating the sandwich, eat the sandwich <laughs> in front of a, of a Premier League manager. And uh, what makes you so fucking glorious that everybody has to stop everything that they're doing just because you've turned up? Fuck yeah. off. Honest to God, man. <laughs> He's got such a high opinion of himself. It's ridiculous. Yes, you, you sound more and more like me as this episode is going on. Yeah. I mean, we better stop it. You're, you're going to lose all your positivity. So we've got one more, one more uh, out of tune. Then we're going to let everyone go to bed. Now, this one is out of tune and also a new section, which we'd like to call Get In The Bin. And I'm so sick and tired of this boring crack that um, is this kid, if no one knows who I'm talking about, is this kid. No, it's not a bad guy in Breaking Bad that threw Jesse Pinkman into the pit. Uh, it's not him. It's the singer called Sean Mills, who has got internet famous for apparently his resemblance to uh, Hoyland, who plays for Manchester United. He looks fuck all like him. It's like saying I like Brad Pitt. It's the most ridiculous comparison I've ever heard in my fucking life. It really is. So this little knacker has Seba get so obsessed with singing this song and then Hoyland started to score goals and everybody put it all together and all that. He went to the Manchester United game, Mark, and he celebrated when Hoyland scored. And your exact words were, you would have thought he'd scored the fucking goal. <laughs> How old has this shit got, quickly? Honestly. Um, yeah, look, look, he, he, look, he's enjoying himself. I, I'll give him that. But the, the reaction, the film, and this is another thing that gets me, is this whole thing. There's somebody there filming you while you're at, at, at the ground. Watch the fucking game. That's what you've paid your money for. Um, but and he's You have, you have swore a record about times tonight. No, I, I am like really six sorry. Six to say the F-bomb count. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a couple of weeks off just to recover. We've got a church tomorrow, you, mate. Sorry, you Hail Marys and all that, yeah. But... Watch the game. Fine, if you you, you know you've got your your social content and all that kind of stuff, and look, he's 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 made a a big thing of his of his singing and stuff. Great, get on with it. That's fine. But the way that the people were reacting around him was exactly as if he'd scored the winning goal of a cup final, not the fact that he would be watching another player on the field who, let's be fair, looked absolutely nothing like him, score a goal for 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 the team, celebrate the goal, get on with it. Yeah, I've, I've, that sort of crack, and the fact that he's been, he's met, he's ended up on every every single thing going. He's been on Sky Sports and all stuff and, and that for for singing a song and and having a resemblance. Yeah, he he, he was on the the Voice Australia. Good on him. I've no problem with him getting getting involved in all of that, in, in, in singing and what have you. Do but honest to God, man, it's just it's so over the top. 
I'm just laughing at that coming from Stu Mag. They don't have the same debtors. I must admit, his his teeth is reminiscent of a, like a council estate fence, isn't it? It's all over the fucking place. To be fair, you know, not, I don't want to be mean to the bloke because I think he has had some online bullying and stuff. And you know, yeah, I think his whole and as we yeah, fair, not pick on him because he got he's got an awful lot of flack for um, for his appearance and things like that. That's, yeah, and yeah. we talked about abuse out the line. But the, the, that side of things is completely separate. That's all bullshit. I, I hate that. But it's just, I mean, like I say, celebrating the goal, those, the, those around him were celebrating it as, as if it was him that had scored. And he's, he's done nothing for him, let's don't, be fair. Don't, don't feel too bad for him because according to 66, he's picked down under. So he's obviously doing well in some, some cases, mate. So, hey, good on him, mate. I'd sing as well if I was you, son. Uh, but there, there was a little bit of sweet poetry in this whole thing as well, to be fair, was uh, uh, Hoyland Blankton. Uh, <laughs> When he was he was outside the ground oh, uh, no. and again being filmed as uh, Hoyland walked past, hoping for that interaction moment with his his celebrity football doppelganger, and Hoyland just went, "No, nah, you're right, maybe." <laughs> and he just walked past. Actually, I've oh. never seen him move that quick since he signed. To be honest with you, so uh, fair play to fair play to it was uh, <laughs> it was golly. Oh, we got a comment there from RJ Fox. Some grand Aussie bands. He's not near. There is some grand Aussie bands. RJ Fox. RG Fox. I like uh, the DMAs, actually. I, I got introduced to them. I saw um, a video of them on uh, doing a, an acoustic set on uh, Twitter, and I think they're awesome. Really, really good. So I do like the DMAs, to be fair. They're an Aussie band, so great show, mate. They're, uh, they're a top band. But uh, I think there was one last one to squeeze in, Mark, wasn't it, for our tune? Yes. We've got to squeeze them in because it's those scumbags further down the road, and I, I've got to let you get this one in, mate. Come on. You want to have a, have a dig out to um, the team that has great feedback when they lose. The, the the best thing I've, I've seen all weekend, uh, and and it's the Sunderland fans at, at Borough on on Sunday morning at one one in the game singing you've seen the Sunderland now fuck off home now the genius of them and the fact that they're not winning the game they've had to come from behind to rescue a point um, I, I mean that the genius is I, I mean it, it, it's unbounded isn't it it's had you battered them, fine. You can sing that song all day long, whatever you want. But you haven't even won the game, and you're acting like the the, the big boys. It's just, I mean, utterly pathetic from them, and and it, it just summed them up massively. And I I genuinely laughed out loud when I when I saw that. I, it was just ridiculous. So so funny to to watch. Unbelievable. No wonder Alex Pritchard has ran to Birmingham to be back with. Run Birmingham. away quickly. Good on you, son. And that's a lovely way to wrap up. A bit of mac and bash at the end is always a good way to put the cherry on top of any cake. So we hope you enjoyed your slice of what's going on this week, everybody. Thank you so much for being in the comments. It always helps the episode flow. We really appreciate all the interactions and a couple of new members tonight as well. Thank you so much to you guys. Thank Welcome. You. Uh, welcome on into the squad. Uh, yes, and that's us all done. As I mentioned at the start, if you are checking us out for the first time uh, or becoming a new member, smash that subscribe button. We're close to 7,000. We've got a belt of prize to give away for 7,000 subs. Uh, so help us get there. Recommend us to family and friends. Like the video too. Help the channel grow. We'll be back with some uh, more content on the channel. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, hopefully we'll not be all under 20 foot of snow in the next few days. But if we are, we'll try and bring you some content to get you through. Have a cracking evening, everybody. And we'll catch you later. Cheers. See you guys. Take care.